welcome to another episode of Fool's Daily. Yes, an episode of Fool's Daily. <sighs> they come around occasionally. Um, I'm joined today by the ever so lovely Mr. Matthew Spoon. Good morning, or evening, or afternoon, or night, or whatever it is while you're listening, but it's morning here now. It is morning as we record, um, because Matt is skiving. I'm not skiving, I've got a day off. I'm working on Bank Holiday Monday, so I've had today off, seems fair. Shut up. <laughs> it's been a little while, so how are you? I'm tickety-boo. Good. Um... Yes, can't complain. Excellent. Well, that's, that's, that's always good to know. And if I was you, I'd be complaining about a lot of things. Every time I looked in the mirror, yeah. I would complain. I'd have to go and get another box to stand on so I could see it in the mirror. But I think I've got a very attractive two inches at the top of my head, which is what <laughs> I can normally see. It looks like a dead badger. Shut up, you're just quoting Panzer. <laughs> it does look like a dead badger, though. No, it does not. It does. I think, I think Actually, you'll find it's called a salt and pepper colouration. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. And it, it's bloody distinguished. There's not a lot of pepper left, though. Shut up. That's the polite version of what I'd normally say, because this is a family-friendly podcast. It is. It is. So, um, why are we recording? Well, apart from the fact that Matt's free to record. And excitement, excitement, Matt's got a new job, which means that he's, he's going to be working from home more, which means we can record during the day. Yeah, so we're going to be coming in your ears on a regular basis again. Because this has been the problem, is finding recording time. It's been, a, it's been a real struggle. Because we're both very interesting and important people with lots of things happening in our lives. We have been quite busy. Yeah, in fairness we have. <laughs> but, um, so, this will be good. This, will, this, this bodes well for future episodes. But, yes. for today... We're going to talk about the new gaming hotness. So exciting. So exciting. Uh, I swore I'd never go back. We are going to talk Games Workshop and 40k. Um, As I'm sure most of you all know, Games Workshop have announced a new version of 40k. And... They have been drip-feeding all this week, as we record, um, little bits of the new 40K. Though they haven't drip-fed things like when it's actually going to be out and stuff. Second week of June is the last I've heard. Oh, is it? Well, that's not very yeah, far. Yeah, I saw, I saw somewhere on something, might have been Kittens of Blood, um, that someone on the inside had um, said that it was going to be the second week of June, because they were talking potentially about it being end of May, which would kind of fit with how fast the little teasers are coming out. Um, but the most recent one I've heard is I don't know, 13th of June, I think, the beginning of the second week of June. So not long away at all. Well, well it is 30 years this year since the first 40K came out. 
Blimey, we must be really old then. 80, 87 for Rogue Trader. Mm. Um, and I haven't properly played 40k since 19... Since Rogue Trader, certainly. Mm. Um, I played played Rogue Trader. Um, I played a little bit of second. Didn't play third. Played fourth. Played a lot of fifth. Um bought the rules for sixth but by the time i bought the rules and the updated codex seventh happened at which point i thought f this i can't keep up it's too hard i can't do it i'm an old man um so i i'm like you can poke it i'm not playing this anymore um turns out that was a lie no we don't know to be fair we haven't played yet we just oh it's a lie we just have all our figures. Yeah, it's it's. Well, perhaps perhaps there was something else that happened that kind of caused this, because what in uh, our, for also, us for us yes, because Games Workshop also recently released um, a game called Shadow War Armageddon. You may not have heard of it if you live in a cave. It's yes. everywhere. It went mental. Um, it's sold out in minutes. Um, it is basically a reskins um, Necromunda with elements of second edition and 40k. Um, comes with some very nice terrain. Comes with orcs and scouts in the box. Um, but if you've ever played Necromunda, you'll be very familiar with the rules mechanisms. You know, you get knocked down. Um, you can try and get up. There's pinning. Um, Oh, kind of cool stuff. I played a test game against Not Going Neil this week, um, and it was brilliant fun. So I kind of thought, because we talked a while ago on this very podcast, I believe, about Kill Team. We did. Um, and with, one and one page 40K. And one page 40K. Both of those things, which kind of teased us, but we never really bit down on them. For me, Kill Team... Um, offered something that I'd wanted and to, to a degree that first edition and second edition 40k had offered of a smaller game, not something that was massively big with parking lots of tanks and flyers and all that kind of thing. The problem with Kill Team was you still needed the 40k rules and you were still running from codexes, so or codices, whichever you prefer, I don't care. Um, so there was still that issue of having to run to keep up with how the rules were changing and the like. So that peed me off. So we didn't do that particularly. Um, but Shadow War Armageddon is entirely self-contained. It's a separate rule set. Um, it comes with three um, kill team lifts within the book. You've got Imperial Guard, Space Marine Scouts and Orcs within the book. Um, and GW have released PDFs for a bundle of other factions, Eldar, Harlequins, Dark Eldar, Chaos, Gene Stealers, Gene Stealer, oh, sorry, Tyranids, Gene Stealer Cult, um, Inquisition, uh, Sisters of Battle, Tau. Um, and it, I would wager that every race will get something um, given given how crazily it sold. Yeah. So we got a copy of that with an idea of playing that. 
because Mike is very clever and found, despite how quickly it was selling out, Mike managed to grab a copy from one of the sort of third-party retailers. Yep. Um, so, we, so we were going to play that because we've probably all got a handful of 40K figures banging around anyway. Perfect, we thought. Nice little 40K game, can play in the fluff. And just as we were starting to get into that, then they started drip-feeding 8th edition 40K. And we're weak. We have no willpower. Which is well known um, to anyone listening. Like, yes. In fact, I've had a comment, uh, conversation over the Twitters with somebody this morning on exactly that, who blames us for his now fourth epic army. Um, <laughs> and, he, and his direct quote was, this is your and Mike's fault. Okay, that's what we do. Um, but yes, weak, no willpower. Um, and it looks like, at least on the surface, they're doing a bit of a, in air quotes, Age of Sigma on 40K by kind of revisiting the whole thing and potentially taking it away from what it had become, which was this just behemoth of codex updates, um, net building, oversized armies on undersized tables, um, and dare I say, perhaps put the fun back into 40K. Yeah. So, I think I think the the AOS comparison is definitely valid, um, and they've learnt. Fr- I think they've learnt from what turned out to be mistakes for them. Um, yeah. Uh, and with regards um, points and matched play, in that that yeah. supported that supported from the beginning, which is obviously something that came. Maybe a year after AOS launched with the General's Handbook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that was the big thing for um, the competitive play, fantasy battle players. And I don't mean competitive play in a, with a negative context, but those you know hundreds of people that have armies that were enjoying playing that style of game, um, they exuded a brick from their bottom. Yes. Um, when it came out, and there was there were no point systems or anything like that, and I think whether that was always the intention for them to come along after, but it was very swiftly rectified, um, and to a degree then dampened some of the rage quit that was certainly within that community. And I think probably Age of Sigmar is probably bigger now than Fantasy Battle ever was. Well, I, I, I mean, here in the UK last week, they ran a 200-person AOS tournament. Yeah. Um, um, and, and speaking to people that we know that we're, are within or work within that um, particular company, that stuff is selling more now. The fantasy stuff, which was always kind of secondary in sales to 40K, is outselling 40K at the moment. It has gone berserk. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think they've, I think they've learned from that. And I, I think that what they have teased us so far has excited me because it looks like there is a way to play 40k that eliminates what turned me off from second edition onwards which was the min maxing yeah of stuff that you took you know and they tried to they done various things with when did they introduce force org charts was that fourth I can't remember if that was third or fourth. Probably fourth, I think. Because right, I think I played a little bit. I think I played a little bit of that 
before it. Yeah, because I want to say third was unit cards, but I might be imagining that. Okay, so I played the one that came out in ninety seven, ninety eight, just because I just before I moved to America. Um, so where, whichever edition was that was, like I I dabbled with that and I had a few games of that, but I didn't you know nothing serious. Um, and then I picked up some Marines cheap. Uh recently when we were looking at one page 40k um which was much yeah. which was you know right up our alley with the way that it was designed and i see a lot of that sort of one page 40k stuff in what they've released so far for yeah very much so um this the thing that excites me is this idea of narrative play yeah where you're effectively buying you're not min maxing your units you're effectively buying fixed units and you're playing this is the story um that's the that's the play i've i've got no interest in going to tournaments and things for 40k um but the idea of being able to have a sort of a campaign thing and the campaign books and things that they've talked about excite me yeah so you know, I've been gluing together figures. Um, I've looked out all the Marines. I realized that, you know, I had a lot more 40k stuff than I thought I had. Um, and I'm hopeful that they'll do things like they do in um, AOS, where you have effectively like the Alliance of Light. Yeah. Where you can mix and match stuff. So that my Inquisitor stuff, because anyone who's listened to this you know podcast before knows that I'm a sucker for Inquisitors. It was you know, when when Shadow War came where is it Shadow Shadow Spire? Shadow Spire? Yes. Shadow When what? Shadow Spire Which one? Whatever the Necromunda thing's called. Shadow War. Shadow War. When that came when that came out, um one of the things that I wanted was an Inquisitor list. And in the first PDF release, there wasn't an Inquisitor list. And so, you know, everyone was using the Chaos Marine list. As the Chaos, your Chaos Champion is your Inquisitor, and that was all fine. But then, of course, they added Sisters of Battle and Inquisitors. So I have a load of, Inquis- yes. I have a load of Inquisitor stuff um, that, I've just re- that I've just rebased. Um, mm-hmm. And I've rebased them all on 32 so that they'll work with my Marines and things. They're all on the same base size. Though I have seen some things that says base size doesn't actually matter. Certainly doesn't in in Shadow War. Um, there is there is an opportunity to do some nice mini dioramas slash scenic base. Dimension yeah. that is the one I'm always encouraged around measuring is measure from the middle of the base to the middle of the base, and then base size really doesn't matter. Yeah. And so I'm thinking. I'm thinking if that applies across into 40k as well, then I may rebase again some of the Inquisitor stuff because I quite like my Inquisitor to travel, you know, be based with a little retinue. Yeah. Um, but if not, I shall make. Well, uh, I shall make effectively a movement tray for the three or four of them, and it's just a single model that gets removed. Well, uh, to my mind, it's we. I mean, and you can do that. Because- Wound models, you're almost in effect then doing what Dragon Rampant does. Yeah. Um, you know, if your inquisitor your inquisitor's got four four wounds, then um, you can remove remove the retinue to recognise wound removal. But the other thing is, as we say, workshop 40k competitive events, 
and it's us, we can do what the hell we like. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, because I quite fancy basing my Inquisitor with, you know, a cherub dragging something along behind and maybe a servitor and a servo skull flying out yeah. in front of him and stuff and just making a little yeah. thing out of him. Oh, then, so that's, uh, that'll be my intention with my tower, so um, we'll do that then. So, but, so I've got a load of that, and it turned out I had a load of Marines. Um, so I built up my second my second squad, Um uh, though they were a completely different chapter to what I thought I had. Because <laughs> I thought I had Ultramarines, but when I actually got them out of the box, it turned out that I had the um, Dark Vengeance, or whatever it's called, box. And so they're all... So dark, uh, dark Angels. So they're all Dark Angels. Um, and that's fine. And it turned out I had bought, you know, at some point, various plastic bits. So Dark Angels it is, and that's what I'm going to chunt it forward with. Um yep. I have pretty much everything I need so to play what I think will be a decent. Sorry, show I don't. Game. I don't understand what you just said. You say that again. You've got pretty much everything I need. Because no, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to build. A, I'm not going to build a whole chapter. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not because I would never. I would never paint them. I'm. Mean, I'm seriously no, doubt. Much. I'm seriously doubtful I'll ever paint this lot. <laughs> Well, what you need to do is you need to get the whatever the rattly can of the dark angels green is. Well, apparently, the army painter one works better. I have found several how to speed paint dark angels <laughs> tutorials. Nice. Well, um, there you go then. So, um, when we go to Wayland the week after next um, yeah. for the next Malifaux event, I'm, I'm going to uh, purchase some paints, and I've got a new yeah. little painting setup. Um, ben Curry of uh, bad dice yeah recommended a um a really really nice little lamp mm-hmm. uh for a mobile painting setup oh, and right. it, it's a and it's a us it's a it's an led lamp but it's usb yeah. ch- it's usb charged oh okay so you can use it independently so, or you can plug it into your laptop that you're doing data entry on and stuff so yeah. i may take some painting kit with me to um experiment with at tournaments because you know you get two hour downtime per round at a tournament and you can only chat for so long (laughs) yeah funny enough there may be purchases for me at wayland as well i want a can of their spray mephiston reds because that's the red that i'm using as the base color for my um site enclaves towel are you going to keep them red i always like yellow and white towel yeah, well, I'm not. I'm doing red. I can't paint anything else yellow. People are starting to mock. <laughs> We're starting to. Yes. So well, shall we? You're painting something else yellow. So shall we go into what we know about the new 40k? Yes, let's. Oh God, no, I should have been organised and had all the drip feeded stuff. Okay. Um. So we know that profiles are simplified. Broadly similar. But broadly similar. So basically. Um, there's no cap of 10 on things. There's no... And vehicles and dreadnoughts and that sort of thing are all just represented in the same way as in AOS where they have, um, you know, multi-wound creatures. Yeah. Then um, vehicles are represented as multi-wounds. And one of the things that I like that they've lifted from AOS and put into this is now you effectively, instead of having critical hit charts and stuff, though 
you probably still do have that. Not instead of it, you know, all of a sudden, bang, your vehicle's blown. It's a cumulative damage effect that affects how much it can do. If you've taken, yeah. if you've got all your wounds left, then all your weapons work. If you've taken X wounds, then you know the amount of attack dice that you're rolling yeah. um, is reduced. Yeah, that makes sense. Seems Incremental per- damage. Yeah, it seems a perfectly nice system. They've eliminated the um, the t- the to hit and um, the melee charts because that's which is just the same thing. as they did in Sigmar. It's just yeah. a single dice roll of this is what you need. Yeah. So the shooting one effectively was always that. It just was yeah. hidden away in a chart in that you know you know if you had bow skill f- if you had bow skill five. You needed a three to hit. I think it was a three. Maybe a two, actually. No, it was a two. Two, two five. It was a two. Um, Ballistic skill three was fours. Fours yeah. was threes. Fives was twos. Um, but un- generally unmodified circumstances. Yes, and there appears to be shooting modifiers now. Um, but so so you knew what that was. So that makes sense. You just put that straight on the thing. The melee one is slightly different, but I can see the justification for it. You know, a space marine should always be hitting something on a, say, three, regardless of what the opponent yeah. is, because they're space marines. So that seems, you know, I don't really have a problem with that, that, you know, a grot is always going to hit you on a six, regardless of what you are. Yeah, because it's lucky yeah. and it's managed to get a punch in. Yeah. Um, so we know that. We know there's still strength and toughness. We don't know if there's a strength and toughness yeah. chart, per se. We don't know how that bit works, as far as I know. Nope. Um, the, everything has a movement value. I seem to remember yes. there were rumours that there weren't going to be movement values or everything. And at some point, and 40K's development, I remember, every, didn't everything move six? There was a period where all infantry moved six, all jump infantry moved. It was done by unit type as opposed to oh, okay. any anything else. So, you know, all jump, all infantry moved six, all jump infantry moved this, all skimmers moved the same. Right. Um, whereas this, you know, there will be bespoke values for the unit that's in your army. So um, it allows for racial variations, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then we've seen some weapon information. Yeah. Um, they showed us a bolter, a flamer, and a las cannon. So a bolter is was you know one dice and it does one wound. Yeah. But it had a rapid fire rule. We don't, I don't think we know what rapid fire rule does. Rapid fire one, I think. Not yet. Um, yeah. They showed a flamer, which I quite yeah. liked. There's there's no te- there's no templates. It was yeah, it was. That, that's a big thing, is templates have gone. Yeah, it was, um, I think it had an 8-inch range, and if you were shooting at models within range, they just took D6 hits. Yeah. I think that 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 was how I read it anyway. Okay, that sounds sensible. Yeah. But it yeah. was D6 hits per flamer, because there was talking about burner boys in the write-up. Yeah. So you got a whole load of units, so you could be doing, you know, 66 or 8D6 hits to a unit. It's quite a lot of hits. Yeah. Um, and then there was a Laz Cannon, um, which was strength nine, um, and did D6 wounds. Yeah. Um, which, to me, that's, you know, with my Rogue, from Rogue Trader, that's what they did in Rogue Trader. You know, a yeah. multi-melter was 4D4. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, the Rapid Fire, I'm going to, I'm going to, 
have a rough stab in the dark having played Shadow War um, this week. I'm guessing it might operate in the same way as the sustained fire rules in Shadow War Armageddon of the rapid fire value is the number of D3 that you roll to find out how many shots you do. Oh, okay. So in Shadow War Armageddon, you've got things, um, for example, a heavy bolter is sustained fire 2. So if you decide that's how you're going to fire it, um, then you throw 2D3 and that's the number of hits you can, uh, the number of shots you fire. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. So that all seems perfectly sensible to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember what the ranges were like. Oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I think comparable to what they have been. Um, But given what they're doing with movement values and the like, you would imagine there'll be racial differences as well for weapons, although that was already kind of there. But, I mean, it was in very broad sweeping terms in the previous editions. But I'm guessing um, there will be more variation. Yeah. Um, so that's so, and movement was the one they were talking about yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, which was there's a there's a fall back. You can fall back. Yeah, no more hand to hand. Even though you know they're just going to get chewed up, there is the option to, as as we refer to it, the brave Sir Robin rule of run away. Which is great for a town player because that was kind of frustrating. Well, getting pinned and getting Malay pieces. Plays, you, yeah, yeah, you're in, in a, you're in a Malay that you know that you are not going to win, but you have to stand there and die. That that was kind of frustrating. Right. Yeah. So you can you can you can run away. Um... But it does mean that you can do things like, you know, firing lines and stuff. Yeah. Which I think is quite interesting. For the old historical gamers in the room, um, the Swedish tactic during the Thirty Years' War of Countermarch Fire is now available in 40k. I have no idea what that means. That's because... You're not as cool as me. You're probably right. Um, oh, I, I found the weapon ranges. Um, oh, have you? So a flamer is eight inches. Yeah. Uh, and automatically hits. So basically, you're just rolling d6 to see how many hits auto hits you get. Um, a bolt gun is twenty four inches, mm-hmm. and a las cannon is forty eight. Yeah, so vaguely similar. It'll be interesting to see because ra- um, the rapid fire, in effect, gave you more shooting but at less range. So whether that, w- well, that's what I remember it as from the olden days. But whether that will still happen, I don't know. In effect, more shots but a sh- shorter effective range, which kind of also has an element of logic to it. Yeah. So, I mean, every you know, I mean, they all still have leadership and saves and things like that so it's all it's all very familiar i think i think it's it's familiar enough that it shouldn't 
alienate all of the 40k players, much like, as we said, Asia Sigmar initially did with the fantasy gamers. They do seem to be taking it a lot better. Yeah. They said, yeah, there definitely is not the rage quitting that we kind of saw when the Age of Sigma stuff started coming out. I don't know whether that's because it's been in the wind that there's going to be a change or whether they haven't gone as radically different. I think it's um, because I think it's because they haven't blown up the universe. Well, there is that as well. I mean, they've they've said they're going to advance the storyline and yeah. that they're going to put a lot more focus on Imperium versus Chaos. Yeah, I mean, they have released a new galaxy map, which has got these great big kind of rents in the warp, yeah. um, which obviously fit with that kind of narrative of potentially the, the greater emergence of chaos, whether it's, you know, the traitor legions or the dark gods themselves. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's been a... They launched it with an FAQ, which was, I thought, excellent. I mean, questions Very such clever. as... Is my army still valid? Basically, yes. Every single figure that you can currently buy is valid in the new, valid and will have new rules in the new game, yeah, um, including all the Forge World stuff. Yeah, I mean that's a key thing from the start. Um, you know, there was there were people that were most aggrieved that their fantasy battle army they had to sit and wait for you know the new data not data cards but the battle scrolls. To, to be released. But yeah, I mean, they've been very clear that every single model will have rules from the opening day. And as you say, including um, Forge World, or I don't know whether it'll be all of the Forge World models, but certainly it some says, of the It World. says, yes, even all of your Warhammer 40,000 Forge World models. Uh, all of. So, and that's, that's an interesting step for them as well. I think that big part of that will be tying in the 30k stuff into the new rules mechanisms yeah at the moment at the moment they're not planning on it the moment they're going to carry on using the existing 40k set for horus heresy yeah but and you know it's going to happen at some point well i mean i'm i'm talking about just having the model rules yeah um that will come along at some point yeah i mean i i read a in a, a discussion with some x games workshop staffers recently um you know head office staffers where they said that the two things that you could never do when they were there the two things you yeah. could never do in 40k was horus heresy and mm-hmm. have, have the primarchs come back yeah so those rules got sort of thrown out the window <laughs> they have really because we've seen old um what's his face Gulliman. Gulliman appeared we've obviously already seen magnus the red Arriving, so who who knows who's next? I'm guessing there'll be several. Yeah, um, your codexes are invalid, but if you've bought them recently, you can go and you can get vouchers basically for the cost of them. Yeah, I thought that was a. I thought that was awesome, personally. I thought it was a. Uh, I thought that was a a decent. Limits are, I've heard, eight weeks prior to the announcement, proof of purchase required. I mean, that, that will hamper some people that have bought them through eBay and stuff like that. But they're, you know, they're doing the right thing in the best way that they can, I think. Yeah. Um, and there are three three ways to play. Uh, and this is what excites me. Um, yeah, I love three-way. 
<laughs> you get open play, which is basically... Which is just filled whatever you bloody like. Yeah. Narrative play, um, where you're refighting the iconic battles, um, yeah. and also campaigns, and match yeah. play. I imagine that we'll either do open or narrative. I can't see us doing match play. No, I can't see a lot of match play. I mean, from a narrative play point of view, um, for me, I'm looking at and have a number of the Forge World Imperial. And they started doing some um, more recently for kind of the Armageddon stuff, which has a series of battles that, you know, they, they give you the forces for and the, the fluff in the background and they're built into a campaign um, and allow you to fight those out. In the Forge World's book, certainly in the first iteration of the Forge World Imperial Armour books, they crossed over game systems as well. So there, there was there were scenarios in there for 40k, scenarios for Armageddon, um, for Epic, for Battlefleet Gothic, and Aeronautica Imperialis. I don't suppose we'll see that cross-system campaign process, but certainly I think we'll see, you know, books or PDFs, Black Library stuff coming out for some of the things like the Damocles Golf, which is some of the stuff I've been reading, obviously, because I've been touching myself looking at Tau. Um, but some of the other kind of the the heroic campaigns that sit within the 40K law, you know, a series of battles. Um, well, certainly, you know, that's anyone who listens to us knows we're all about the narrative, about the cinematic element of whatever game yeah. system we're playing. Yeah. So that's that, that certainly that's that's got me particularly excited around that kind of element of it. Um, now, some of the things that in the match play stuff that is actually so basically open play is you use any models you like in a game to achieve any sorts of objectives you like. Um, you can you know what if scenarios, vehicle racing, who would win a fight between, blah blah blah. Um, narrative play is you know you're playing the scenarios and match play match play isn't just straight um here's my points etc because there's two there's two extra things in there um you can do the sort of the min maxing lists that you do at the moment that you can do at the moment but there's also this idea which again seems to be taken from AOS of the the battle scroll yeah sort of thing and they've they've introduced this idea of command points and there's not been mm -hmm. a massive about about these command points but basically they seem they seem to enable you to do out of turn actions and things by spending a command point um and if you've got a what they would consider a balanced force and I'm doing air quotes around balance but I suppose you know if you've got some tactical some space marine tactical squads and rhinos and you haven't all gone for you know whatever the elite space marines are called and things, you know, it's not all veteran squads and things, then you'll get more command points so you can do more of these in-game changes. I think that sounds very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and allows, again, you to be able to field formations from 40k fluff that you could never field within the sort of force organisation chart mechanism. Um, yeah. 
So to a degree, that almost brings an element of narrative play into the, the match to play. Yeah, so long as I can have my Inquisitor leading a couple of units of tactical, a couple of units of tactical Marines in a mission to purge the Xenos, then that would be fine. We're just, we're just here to make the world a little bit better for everybody. Yeah. I don't know why you can't see that. You will make the world for the greater good. You will, yeah, you will make the world a little bit better for everybody by being impaled on my bolter shells. Do bolter shells still do what they did in? Are they still described as how they were in? um, What exploding shells? Yes, bullets, mass reactive ammo that when they're inside you explode. Yes. Well, that's right then. (laughs) So I always wondered Um, why they were. No, go on. I was just going to say the other thing that they're talking about as well is play length um, of the games as well they want to speed the whole thing up um, talking about a 1500 point game which is always 15, 1750 has always been the kind of sweet spot that they've aimed for um, the game taking about an hour and a half um, up to 2000 points taking about two hours yeah and six by four tables yes yeah, all good so we're quite excited by it at the moment. Um, of well, course, we're buying figures again. Of course, next week it'll be something else that will excite us. But of course not. We are focused and committed. Have you to... have you seen the Fallout game? Oh, we'll talk about that in another one. <laughs> well, on that note, shall we end this one? Yeah, let's. All right then. Um, signing off from the forty-first millennium. I've been Mike. And I've been Matt. And we'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye. You can contact Fools Daily on Twitter. We're at Fools Underbar Daily. Or via email, foolsdaily at outlook.com. <laughs>